Amen. It's very Christmassy up here. Appreciate uh, Joe and Gracie who uh, put all this together. Let's give them a round of applause. They also uh, helped beautify uh, our Geo Regional service last week, so appreciate them and their eye for design, and uh, it makes it feel very festive. It's great to be with you. It's been a while. Appreciate Mo uh, inviting me up to, uh, to speak today. And uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, there has been a rage in the news lately about a new royal birth, right? Uh, everybody's talking about this. Everybody's excited about it, especially in the U.K., uh, you know that feeling. How many how many parents do we have out there in the audience? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Remember that expectant stage, right? I was talking to Ren here before service started, and they're at that stage right now, going to baby classes and all that, choosing the choosing which uh, uh, stroller to pick out and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's kind of exciting. And one of the first things you do is get the big book of baby names, right? And you try to figure out what you're going to name your child. We have three kids. And uh, each one of them, we put a lot of time and attention into uh, choosing the name. And what would this baby be called? Um, you know, sometimes it's funny when people get older and then they change their name. We got any L.A. Laker fans out there? You know, Ron Artest. I'm still not used to calling him Meta World Peace. I don't know if you are, but, you know, people change their names. But um, I was playing uh, volleyball a few years back. I used to play on the beach sometimes, and I met this guy playing volleyball. He was from a Native American background. And his name was Yellow Thunderboy. And so I asked him, you know, is there kind of a, a nickname for that or something? Uh, you know, like you go by Yellow, or he's like, no, Yellow Thunderboy. So it's just kind of funny as we're playing volleyball. It's like, oh, great set, Yellow Thunderboy. Nice spike, Yellow Thunderboy. You know, I don't remember names very well, but I'll never forget that name. But uh, we're talking today uh, about uh, this text here uh, in Isaiah 9. If you go ahead and be turning over there. This is a text that uh, we hear a lot, we, we uh, see on postcards and, and uh, on, on Christmas cards this time of year, and it's a birth announcement. In Isaiah 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All year we've been focused on Jesus in our uh, teaching, and uh, we're finishing out the year with this text, talking about these different aspects of who Jesus was and what he would be called. And so today we're going to be zeroing in on, on Wonderful Counselor. Uh, the title of our series is He Shall Be Called, and uh, today's uh, lesson is Wonderful Counselor. Before I go any further, let's have a word of prayer. God, thank you so much to be able to uh, look into your word right now. I pray that you would really speak to each one of us through your Holy Spirit. Help us, help our minds to be open, help our hearts to be open to what he wants to say to each one of us. I pray that you'd speak through me, God. Help me just to be a conduit for your Holy Spirit to speak. Help all of us to really learn from your amazing word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just backing up a little bit, uh, you might not know that this birth announcement was written 700 years before Jesus' birth. So it's an early birth announcement, right? And it was a very dark time in, in, uh, in, in the, the history of God's people at this time. If you back up into chapter 8, just right before this birth announcement in chapter 8, you see this text. It says, 
When someone tells you to consult mediums and spirit, spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. And it goes on to describe people as distressed, hungry, famished, enraged, cursing God. It says, distress and darkness and fearful gloom will be on the people and they will be thrust into outer darkness. This does not sound like a real positive time in God's people. And what was happening right now is there, the, the Assyrian Empire was expanding radically. If you look on the, uh, on the screen here, can you see the dark green? That was the mighty Assyrian Empire. There'd never been an empire like this that conquered all of the... To, to uh, someone living there, it was as if they conquered everything you knew. And not only that, did it expand from the dark green to the light green during this time that we're, we're in right now. And so you see little Judah right there. This is, this is the God's people. And Egypt was, was a superpower. They were down here and they were trying to fight against Assyria. And so God's people here were kind of caught in the middle. And they kept turning to things other than God for the answers. And here you see in this text where they're turning to trying to consult the dead, and they were, they were trying to worship other gods besides God, and trying to look other, other places. They were trying to trust in horses and chariots from Egypt to help them. And just because they were so desperate, because Assyria was just this huge and imposing empire, and they would try to make peace with Assyria. And what ended up happening shortly after this was God's kingdom at this time was divided in half. You had the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel was wiped out completely by the Assyrians. And shortly after this, uh, Judah uh, what was uh, 100 years later was taken into, uh, 200 years later was taken into captivity uh, in Babylon by the Babylonian Empire. But anyway, it's a dark time, and, and as they were seeing the, the world kind of closing in on them, and the way they responded was not turning to God, but instead turning to these other things. Have you ever been there before, where we look to other things besides God because you're in a challenging situation? Why do we need a counselor? Why do we need a counselor? Needing a counselor infers you don't know what you're doing or you're in, in trouble or you're, there's a problem or you're, 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 there's some tough decisions you're facing, life crisis. The road ahead is unclear. And you need answers. You need someone to understand. You need someone to help. The dictionary says a, a counselor is a person trained to give guidance on personal, social, or psychological problems. A person who gives advice on a specified subject. And we're going to see from the, the Bible that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Not only is he all-powerful, all-knowing, the creator of all things, but he also helps each one of us on an individual level. He knows you and me. He made you and me, and he knows what we need, and he will guide us. So we're going to fast forward here to the book of Hebrews if you'd be turning uh, in your Bible, to Hebrews chapter 4. First point, there will come a time. There will come a time. You know, you might feel today like you have all the answers. Like you've got life figured out. Like, like okay, I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm going. I've got life figured out. I promise you there will come a time when you don't. 
Just like God's people, that, 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 here's this huge nation of Assyria imposing on them. There will come a time where you're, you're kind of like, I am stuck and I don't know what to do right now. There will come a time when you are desperate. And you don't know what to do. And you don't know how to move forward. Just to tell a quick story, there was a few years ago when uh, we had uh, just moved into a new house in Redondo Beach. And uh, we had... Uh, we. Uh, we're kind of figuring out everything about the house, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And, and uh, I was up early getting ready for work uh, one morning. And uh, I, I had a, a job where I had to wear a tie every day to work. So I went out into the garage. I was just about to get in the shower. And so I went out into the garage. Uh, we had an attached garage, you know. And so I went through the door, went to the garage, into my car to get a tie that I was going to wear that day uh, before I went to work. My wife had already left for work. It was early in the morning. And so I went into the garage, and because I was unfamiliar with the house, because we just moved in, I didn't realize that this was a door that is always locks without you locking it. Do you know what I mean? You know those kind of doors that just, they're just always locked. So I, I went into the garage, and then uh, got my tie, and I go to go back into the house, and the, garage, and the garage door was locked. So I'm stuck in the garage. And at this moment, I'm wearing only my underwear. <laughs> and not, not just my underwear, but the last of my underwear. You know, like the, the ones you, you save for the end because they're... Uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm stuck in the garage and I'm not sure what to do. And at this time, uh, our house was on Grant and Green, the corner of Grant and Green. And so we're, we're on Grant and across, like literally just right across the street was an elementary school. And uh, there was a flurry of activity as all the parents are dropping their kids off at the elementary school at this time. So if I opened the garage door, there I would, you know, be in my underwear in front of all the parents and their kids. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you try to decide, what do I do? I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. And so I, I tried to look through the garage. We had moved fairly recently, so there were still some box, boxes in the garage. So I started looking through boxes, hoping to find some clothing I could put on. And I couldn't find anything. I mean, the only thing I found was a box of, of my wife's uh, wedding dresses that she, you know, bridesmaids dresses she'd been in. And so for a second I thought, no, no, there's no way. Because even if I, even if I put this on, I got to go outside and then I got to climb onto my balcony and somehow get in. So I'm like, no, no. So then I keep looking and then I find some Halloween costumes, but I couldn't find anything I could put on. I did find a wig. So I kind of went back to the dresses for a second. I was like, no. So, so finally what ended up, I found a, a rug, this kind of rug that sort of worked like a blanket. So I, I ended up wrapping myself in this rug and going over. It was a condo, so it was the townhouses. So I went to the next townhouse over. You know, I, I waited for the, the elementary school to die down. Then I went over the, the, door, the door next door, rung the doorbell, with, wrapped in this, ta- you know, this rug. Hello, you don't know me. I'm your neighbor. I just moved in next door. Can you help me? And she was very gracious, and, and she let me use the phone to call my wife, and all of my wife's uh, co-workers had a great laugh at my expense. <laughs> but, you know, there will come a time where, look at this verse in Hebrews 4. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give accounts. 
There, you know, we all kind of hide in our clothing, so to speak. We hide behind certain facades. We hide behind certain costumes. But there will come a time where it's all just exposed. And the real you is the real you for all to see. And there will come that time when, when, when you, you got to, it can be a kind of a time of crisis. It could be a time of pain. It could be a, even a time of blessing sometimes, but where it just exposes who you really are. And you're exposed for the real you. And you're desperate for help and there's nothing you can really do. And the, it says we've got to give account. There's a time where you've got to give account where it, God's saying, okay, what do you got? And that, that's certainly the day of judgment. But I think even before then, there's times where we, we just come face to face with God. I think like Anita shared today. You know, times where we go, what am I doing? And you, and you just see your own sin and you realize... Wow, how did I get to this point? And our tendency is most of us hide. And most of us feel inside not really that very good about ourselves. And most of us feel like if anybody really knew what was inside, they wouldn't like me, they wouldn't want to be with me, they wouldn't accept me. That's, That's the way most of us feel. And yet the truth is we're all feeling that. And we're all going to be exposed before God. God knows anyway what's really inside, right? And so Jesus is a wonderful counselor because he's trying to help us to get in touch with what's really going on. He's trying to deal with what's really on the inside. He's trying to deal with what's really down deep. And I can relate to that. I can relate to not wanting to be exposed. I mean, I've got a lot of sin just like you have a lot of sin. And and maybe the sin changes as you, as you deal with certain sins, but then you, you uncover new ones, right? And, uh, I mean, e- even, even parenting, you know, my oldest is 13 now. We have a 13, 11, and 8-year-old. And as they go through new phases, we go through new phases in, in dealing with ourselves and our sin. And, and having to deal with my anger has been an ongoing thing, I think, with parenting. You know, there's been nobody make me as angry as my kids. And I thought I was a patient person until I became a parent, you know, and... And uh, boy, it, it really exposes you. And this is not parent-related, but just just my anger. Just to give you a, an example, like we were dealing with this car for a while that we 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 had owned uh, for a, a long time. We bought it in 1997, but it was at that point where it, it started uh, shutting down, and we didn't know why. So I spent all this money. I took it to three different mechanics, and and, and so it would you would be driving like I would I would be at service here and it would be kind of a hot day and I'd get in the car and I'd be driving and then it would just turn off and it turned off on this one particular Sunday I had service here went home it turned off on the on-ramp to the 405 then I'm driving on the 405 and it turned off in the middle of the 405 and it was a hot day so so, and it seemed to make it worse when it was hot so suddenly there's all these cars around me I'm like trying to start it again start it again start it again finally started again you know and you know that pressure, you're on the freeway. So I get off the freeway, I'm driving home, and then I get to my neighborhood, and it turn, I'm at the intersection to turn into my neighborhood, a, a, a light, and it turned off there, and I couldn't, I couldn't make the light, and people are driving around me, and you know, everybody's yelling at you like you're an idiot, and, and you know, and you're like, I, believe me, I don't want this to be happening right now. To my. Then I get into my, into my block on my street, and, and, it, and it turned off again. And uh, I just, I just lost it. I just started pounding on the on the dashboard of my car, just you know, as hard as I could with my fist, and 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 you know, just this total fit of rage because I was just at my breaking point. I was just so angry with the stupid car that kept stranding me. And then I, I look up and I, I you know, kind of 
it's like the Hulk, you know, you kind of come out of it, back to David Banner, back to Bruce Banner. And I realized I had broken the little, you know, the vents of the, in the car, the little vents for the air conditioning, because I had been pounding on the dashboard. And you just have that moment of, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? You know, what good was that? I wish I could go back in time and, and, and not have handled it the way that I handled it. And we all have situations with our own sin where you're in that zone. You know, you're exposed with the real you. There, there comes a time when you go, what am I doing? Why did I do that? I wish I could go back. I wish I could take it back. You ever been there? And so what's amazing when you've messed up like that is to look at this next verse. The next verse here in Hebrews 4. It says in verse, 14, uh, verse 15, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is incredible. Cosmic Jesus, the creator of all things, can empathize with us. Isn't that amazing? He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the creator of all things, and yet he can empathize with what we go through. Let that sink in for a second. This God to whom we must give account, this God whom everything is exposed, uncovered, and laid bare, this God is sick in human form, and he empathizes with our weakness. Isn't that amazing? The second point, he'll be by your side. What are your areas of weakness? Where do you feel stuck right now? What are your hang-ups and insecurities? You know, I shared about my anger. That's certainly a weakness. I mean, my pride is a weakness. My faithlessness, my doubt is a weakness. My poor time management, my lust, my envy, my materialism, my love of comfort, my mistrust, my hatred of correction. You know, these are character issues that I deal with. What What are those things that you deal with? And do you really believe that Jesus can empathize? You don't need to turn there, but back in Hebrews chapter 2, look at this verse on the screen. It says, for this reason, he, is, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Jesus was not just this sort of superhero. He was fully human in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he is tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He is the perfect, uh, a wonderful counselor because he's been through it. And when, you, when, you, when that time comes when you're exposed and you see your own sin, he can be by your side. And he can help you and he can identify. You know, when you've been somewhere before and you see someone else going through it, you can sympathize. You can identify. You've been through it already. You know, when, when, when you're a parent and, and you're trying to help your kids and you, you get a hold of another parent who's been through it already, you know, that's such a valuable thing because they can sympathize, they can empathize, they've, they've been through it. Back in Hebrews 4.15, it says, He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. What is, what is temptation? James 1.14 says, Temptation is when you're carried away and enticed by your own evil desires. So that means Jesus had evil desires. If he was tempted in every way, just as we are, that means he had the same evil desires that we have. 
And he had to fight those evil desires. And, and you might think, well, he can't relate to me because he was never a parent or he was never uh, this or never that or he never worked where I work or he never had the situation I had. I guarantee you he went through those same temptations. And not only that, because he never sinned, that means that he, he experienced the gamut of temptation. Do you know what I mean? Don't you think that Satan threw everything he possibly could at Jesus? Don't you think Satan wanted him to fall because then he wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice for our sin? And so Jesus experienced all of it, everything that you could experience when it, with regard to temptation, he experienced. Not only that, did he, he experienced all the hardships in life that we all go through. Have you ever been betrayed? He has. Have you ever been wrongly accused? He has. Have people ever, ever gossiped about you? Have you ever suffered physical pain? Have you ever been in physical need? Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever suffered loss? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever felt that you've reached the bottom and there's no way up? He understands all of that. He's been through all of that. He experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. He experienced desperation. He experienced physical exhaustion. He knew what it was to be unappreciated, misrepresented, and misunderstood. He had intense moments of sadness. He experienced physical and emotional pain, the levels of which almost none of us will ever experience. He knew what it was to be rich, to be poor, to be in need, and to have everything. Anything you are going through, he can relate. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a wonderful counselor. Um, we had a problem. I, I always share about problems in my sermons. I guess it's because they, they stick with you. <laughs> and hopefully you can relate. But we had a problem with, uh, with our plumbing not too long ago. And uh, my daughter called me into her room. And her ceiling had this bulge in it, you know, where the paint it was just this, this little, you know, you poke it, it's kind of like this jelly bulge. And, uh, uh-oh, what is that? So I cut it open, and it's, of course, water. And where is this coming from? So searched and searched and tried, you know, tried the, 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 garbage, comp, uh, the garbage disposal, because that was right above it. Tried the, uh, the dishwasher, that was right above it. Tried the washing machine, you know, all these sources... And, and, and I'm not, you know, nothing is, it's, it's still, there's this source of water. So I called, uh, called my friend who's a plumber, Frank. And so he gave me some advice. I did everything he, he said to do. And finally he came over. And uh, to, to, to figure out what the problem is, we had to cut the, the drywall away. Uh, everything had to be uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Frank. So we, you know, we cut the drywall away, and, and it turns out, in the copper pipe had this little, this little, uh, uh, little leak in it, just a little pinhole leak, they call it. And so he was able to help me fix it, and and he fixed it all for me. And then I, I drywalled it. I, I bought a piece of drywall and went to to put it back up. And when I was screwing the drywall in, I I made a new leak in a new piece of the pipe. So he had to come back. But anyway, the experience reminded me of how we need, how helpful it is to have somebody who knows what they're doing, helping with the situation. I never would have been able to, to solve this situation without Frank. And, and that's who Jesus is. He knows what he's doing. He made us. He knows everything that you've been through. So even if, like, there's a couple that, that we get with regularly that they have a, they have a tough background. I mean, she... She went through horrific sexual abuse as a, as a child, and, and she was raped. She became pregnant. Just horrible, horrible past. He has a, a lot of baggage. Uh, they have a ch child together that I don't want to give you too much information, but there's just a lot of stuff that, 
is really challenging that they're dealing with. They're both disciples. They both love God. They both serve. They've got great hearts. But there's challenges that they deal with. And they've both had some, had some professional counseling, and, and, and it's ongoing. But Dessa and I, we, we had, both of us had, had great family upbringings. We don't, my parents have a lot of baggage in their past, but they were disciples, and, and they sort of broke the cycle, if you're with me. And I had a great upbringing. So in, in a... In a, in a uh, in one sense, you know, it's, it's easy for us, my, my wife and I to feel like, oh, we can't relate to them and these challenges they're going through. But you know who can relate to them is Jesus. And so it's amazing to see as we look to the Bible with this couple and as we open the Bible, as we look at Jesus, it always helps them. And, and we've seen a lot of progress. And, and, and the point there is that no matter who you are, Jesus can relate. Jesus uh, has been through those situations and he will be by your side through all of this. Look at this verse in First uh, John chapter 2, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You know, the point of being a disciple is we're aiming for, for perfection. We're striving not to sin. But you know what? We are going to sin. And this is an amazing promise that when we do sin, Jesus is our advocate. And that Greek word for advocate is parakletos, which means para, you'll recognize para means beside. He he's, comes alongside us. He will be by your side when we blow it. It's the opposite of Satan. Satan, the word Satan means accuser. Satan is like, you can't do it. God doesn't love you. You can't change. You can't overcome this. You can't, do, you know, you think you're this, but you're not. Or they won't accept you. Or God, did, did God really say this? Did God really want... Is he really going to give you... That's Satan. You recognize that voice? He's the accuser. And yet Jesus comes alongside us. He can relate to us. He can empathize with us. He's been through it. And, and number three, he will guide us. Let him be your guide. Let him be your guide. Skip forward to chapter 12 in, uh, in Hebrews. There will come a time he'll be by your side. Let him be your God. Hebrews 12, very familiar passage if you've uh, been around for a while in the kingdom of God. But such a powerful verse. Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness." Witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love this verse. It says he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I used to say author and perfecter of our faith. I like that word pioneer. You know, he's gone ahead. He's done the hard work. He was the original. Not only was he the first, he did it perfectly. And so he can guide us through. It makes such a difference having a guide. Have you ever gone somewhere uh, to, to uh, you know, on a tourist attraction or something? And, 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 you know, the difference between having a guide or not having a guide. Uh, we were uh, out in uh, 
we, we, we were at a, at a conference one time with Marco and some of the other brothers, and we were able to go a little early and, and go to Gettysburg. And so we arrived there, and we wanted to see Gettysburg. And uh, we, we uh, were trying to find a, a, a guided tour, and, and it wasn't working out. Marco, you know Marco, he's very persuasive. He was able to persuade a guide to take us on an individual guided tour, just a few of us in this guide, because there was no more guided tours that day or whatever. And it was amazing. This guy, he lived and breathed the Civil War. I mean, he knew everything about everything in that, what was going on then. So he was kind of living it as if it was happening right now. So he's like, okay, right now, you know, we're here, and, and, and this is happening over there, and on that hill over there, the, you know, the, 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 this is happening, and all, behind those rocks, these people are doing this. It was amazing, you know, and he was just moving fast through all these, uh, these areas, and, 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 and it was like we were living that, that moment of what was happening in that place. It was incredible. If we had gone there without the guide, we would have had no idea. It would have just been kind of looking at a few statues, and all right, this is interesting, you know, but, but it was incredible having a guide who knew what, knew what he was talking about, and that's how Jesus is. He he, he will guide us through because he's already gone through uh, everything that we're going through. He knows the big picture and he knows the journey that we're on. And so he, he will be our perfect guide in this life as we're going through, through everything that we're going through. And so as he's our guide, he calls us to follow him. Wouldn't have that have been foolish of Marco and I to, 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 to disregard what the guide was saying and go, oh, you know what? Let's not listen to this guy. Let's go over here. You know, that wouldn't have made any sense because he knew what he was doing. And so Jesus calls us not only to accept him as Jesus, but to follow him. You know, a lot of churches talk about accepting Christ. And, and certainly we need to accept that he was the creator of the universe, that he was God in the flesh, that he died on the cross, that he was buried and rose from the dead. We need to accept all that, but it's not enough just to accept it. We need to follow him. You know, the word follow is 86 times in the gospel. In the gospels, before gospels. 86 times Jesus says follow, follow, follow. The word disciple is 270 times, uh, which is, means a student or a learner or, or you know, you're, you're emulating your teacher, you're following. And so if you're visiting with us in this church, you'll hear us use that term sometimes, being a disciple or I became a disciple or do you want to become a disciple? That just means a student of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, that we're trying to not just, uh, you know, kind of add Christianity to our, our busy plate of what we do in life. No, no, we're trying to live the way of Jesus in every area of our life. And that's a whole different approach to Christianity. It's not just, okay, I'm going to start to attend church. No, I want to become like Jesus in everything that I do. I want to follow him. I want to live his teachings. I want to go through his footsteps. So practically, in a practical sense, how are we guided by him? Just we're going to look at three quick things. His word guides us. 1 John 2, where we were reading a minute ago, it says, We know we've come to, to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk or must live as Jesus did. Being a Christian is a life of obedience. So it means we're trying to live as Jesus did. So if you're visiting with us, it's not that we're perfect, it's not that we're, you know, we're not a bunch of 
It's not like we're the Flanders, you know, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. We are really just a bunch of sinners who found the way. And, and God has rescued us from our old way of life. And we love to tell our stories of who we were before and how God has transformed us and, and the journey that we're on now. And, and so we can relate to you if you're visiting with us. And, and what we want to help you to do is to be able to, to, to learn about what Jesus really said. Because his word is the, the first source of guidance. Is he, a lot of this has been written down, what he said and how to live. And, and so it's amazing how many people in this world will say they're Christians, and yet if you, if you talk about it, they don't really know what he even said. They don't really know the Bible. And, and it's amazing because in this day and age, we can all have our own copy, even on your phone, and yet so few, feel, so few people read it. And so what we'll, what we'll say if you're visiting with us is, hey, let's get together, let's read the Bible, let's study the Bible. And basically that means let's just sit down, let's open Jesus' teachings, Let's read a few of what he's uh, teachings that he said, and then let's talk about what it means for our everyday life. And it's, it's so simple, but it's so transformative. If you just look at what he said and then say, okay, what does this mean for my life? What does it mean for your life? It's transformative. That's the way he guides us with his word. If you're a member and you've been around a long time and you know your Bible, amen. Now, are you living your Bible? Does it shape your decisions? Does it shape your parenting, your marriage, your everyday life, the kind of employee you are, the kind of neighbor you are, uh, your schedule, your budget? You know, as we're approaching the holidays, let him be your guide with how you spend your time, with how you spend your money. You know, sometimes we can, uh, you know, we can kind of go into the sort of big, the, the turkey comatose mindset. Just, I'm going to eat a lot of turkey and watch a lot of movies and just, you know, become a couch, couch potato. I mean, it's good to relax with family and have a great time, but don't, don't lose the Word of God as your guide. Don't spend too much money on credit cards buying gifts. You know, let's let Him be our guide through this time. Is there any area of your life that is not currently guided by His Word? Is there any area of your life that is not currently guided by His Word? second way He guides us is His Spirit. This is an awesome verse in Isaiah. Isaiah is so cool. It's, I was excited about this uh, series because uh, I've been reading Isaiah lately. And there's this cool verse in Isaiah 30. It says, right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. Whether to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. This is a prophecy, again, 700 years before Jesus about, I believe, His Holy Spirit guiding us. A voice right behind you. Isn't that how the Spirit works? Right behind you, a voice guiding you. In John 14, Jesus said, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. You know, the Holy Spirit, if, if, you're, if you're visiting with us, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit uh, dwells within us. When we're baptized into Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus' Spirit is within us. And Paul says in Romans that when we pray, when we go into prayer, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So as we pray, the Holy Spirit in us is connecting to God the Father, and we're, we're, we get guidance from His Holy Spirit when we pray. 
And, and it's an amazing thing. And I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know how it works for you. Uh, I'll just share how it works for me. I mean, when, when I, I read the Word, I read the Bible. Every day I have a, what we call a quiet time. I read the Bible and I pray. And so in prayer, I'll, I'll call on God. I, I praise God. I thank God. I talk to Him about, about what, I, what I've got going on in, in my day. And then I just try to listen. I try to listen from God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And, and I feel like He puts things on my heart, like that voice behind you telling you which way to go. I feel like He puts things on my heart. And a lot of times I'll come out of prayer with, with a to-do list, with things I should do, with people I should call. With, 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 with my, my vision has been expanded by that time with God. And so I, I know, you, you know we've got to be careful about people who say, God told me this or God told me that. And I know a lot of horrible things have been done by people who said, God told me to do this. So the first thing you got to do is, okay, line it up with his written revealed word. Does it line up with the text? And if it doesn't, then God probably didn't tell you that. But I do feel like God guides me. And, and, and you know, you pray about a situation. God, please make it clear. Make it obvious. Tell me which way to go.